0: Hey, welcome to the Jewish Road Podcast. Uh, we are here with our friend, Michael mistretta who leads the effort in Israel with FIRM, which is Fellowship of Israel Related Ministries. Uh, hello, Michael. How are you?
1: Hey, it's great to be here.
0: Uh, tell us um, first, you're, you're not originally from Israel. How did you find your way there to becoming uh, a major integral part of life and ministry to the people of Israel?
1: Yeah, that's a good question. I grew up uh, not too far. I, I grew up just close to Toronto, Canada. Um, grew up in the church, loved the Lord. And Israel really was not on my radar. Uh, I went into business at a young age. And um, you know, a couple of years in, I was on a 10-day fast, just seeking out the Lord and saying, God, what do you want me to do with my life? And God grabbed a hold of my life. I was actually on a bus uh, at going to the LAX airport. And I felt like God said something significant was going to happen on that bus ride. And, uh, we go all the way there, we're heading back and I'm thinking, I must've misheard the Lord. Uh, just, I was seeking out God, what, what's his will for my life. And, um, it turns out the bus driver, uh, as I'm talking to him and we're on the way back, he gets cut off by another car and he kind of yells out, Oh, that's not very kosher. Then he looks at me and says, do you know what the word kosher means? And I was young and I thought I knew everything. So I said, yes. And then he asked me, well, what does it mean? I didn't know. So I said, ah, oh, something Jewish to do with food. I don't know. So he looks at me and says, uh, in high school, did you ever study British history? And I said, yes. And he asked, why? And I said, well, I'm from Canada. And so we study where we came from and how we got to where we are today. And then he says to me, then why, if you claim to be a Christian, have you never studied the Jewish background of where you come from? And I didn't have a, I didn't have a good answer. And at that very moment, we pull up at my stop. I get off the bus. He drives away. And I'm standing on the side of the road saying, God, is this supposed to be the, the thing on the bus ride that changes my life?
0: Is that you, Lord? <laughs> Sorry
1: yeah is that you and and so i go it was nothing else of substance and so i go to a room alone and start to pray and the lord leads me to isaiah 60 61 and 62 and these three chapters all talk about israel I, I don't even really understand what i'm reading i just start weeping and i hear the lord speak to me as clear as day michael you're going to spend the rest of your life living and doing ministry in jerusalem that was the last thing i expected the last thing i had wanted i owned a company I, I loved missions i was like god i'll go anywhere i'll go to africa Not Israel. Israel was not on my radar. But I said, God, if this is you, then I'm in, but you got to make this happen. And so over the next five years, God started working on me and opening up doors. And I ended up moving over to Israel um, five years later and um, just ended up joining a local congregation here called King of Kings, celebrating this year their 40th year of ministry and um wh- while i was there another thing happened you know god god connected me su- supernaturally with the founding one of the co-founding pastors of um King of Kings pastor Wayne Hillsden. and god just knit our hearts together and uh had Wayne and Anne, his wife as well as Myself, I had the ability to start this ministry called Firm, uh, Fellowship of Israel Related Ministries. And that's now, that's on the ministry of Vanessa, my wife and I uh, lead together. But the kind of amazing part of the story is right when we're doing that, we find out that my grandmother was Jewish, had no idea. Uh, it was hidden in the family, only the women knew. After she passed away, um, we uh, discovered this and ended up going to Italy, where all my, my family's from, we're able to prove it and use that. To immigrate to israel God, yeah. so it's kind of a supernatural story how God to me here. I can never question if I'm supposed to be here. When it gets hard, it's like there's really no other option. You know, God supernaturally transplanted me, moving me here, uh, brought Vanessa, my wife, uh, to me, in this, another kind of divine story. And so we know we're called, and we're we know we're supposed to be here.
0: So if, if uh, this last week, uh, with all the events and everything taking place, is not a typical week, um, what does ministry through FIRM look like
1: normally? Normally, on a, on a typical week. I mean, there's a lot of variety, but essentially the vision with FIRM is this. We, we looked across the country, across Israel, and saw two, two main problems. One, you know, a lot of Christians want to be involved in Israel, but they don't know where to start, don't know who to trust um and maybe on this side everything seems a little bit political on this side maybe it seems a little bit weird so it's like there's got to be a just a safe trusted gospel-centered way to get involved in ministry in israel i know matt we share a a heart on this and a passion on this of of de-weirding israel things and also like making it relevant for the, the life of an average christian just like that bus driver said to me it's the roots of our faith it's we're coming into a movie halfway through unless we understand all the history that led up to where we are today. And so that's one side. We try to help engage Christians to inspire, educate, and mobilize them specifically to get connected and involved in local ministry here in Israel. On the other side, we saw the challenge of a lot, Israel's a small body of believers, almost 10 million Uh, population, people in population, but only 30 to 40,000 Jewish believers in Jesus, 6,000 Christian evangelical Arabs. So we're talking about a quarter to a third of 1% of the population. That surprises people. You know, the place where the Bible was written, the place where all the gospel stories took place, the place where Jesus said from Jerusalem, Judea and Samaria to the ends of the earth. Well, now it's gone to the ends of the earth. But even in Israel, Israel would be defined by our own standards as the unreached people group. So we looked at that problem and said, how do we help strengthen, unite, and resource local ministry leaders, local church and ministry leaders here in Israel? Strengthen would be, you know, leadership training, um, helping leaders be healthy and helping organizations be healthy so that they can be poised to increase capacity and to grow. And then how do we, once we're healthy, how do we work together? How do we really coordinate and collaborate and synergize? And we're seeing a lot of that happen these last couple of weeks because there's nothing like a crisis To bring people together and then finally how do we resource the local body how do we uh hear what the calling of each local ministry is and find a way to accelerate what god's uniquely called them to do and so that's what we do um on a on a a weekly basis really there's those two expressions so an average week you know half my week is going to on the engaging christian side whether that's developing videos or hosting tours uh, we, we, we were hosting t- 30 tours this year. We just had to cancel the last uh, last few of the year, uh, but hosting tours, uh, events, conferences, um, just to inspire, educate, and mobilize Christians. And then the other side is really working with local ministries. Uh, we serve a network of 72 local ministries that all share a passion for seeing the gospel spread in Israel. Uh, we, we have a vision. We, we believe that we're going to see the day where every person in Israel is transformed by the love of Jesus. And the way we do that is by strengthening the local body and lifting up the arms of the local body, and so through these seventy-two ministry partners, we're able to see a lot of ministry happening as Israel. And our heart is: how can we serve? We're not—we're not an overseeing organization. We're not uh, a higher, top-down hierarchy. We really see that we come underneath, we serve, we undergird, we strengthen uh, the believers in the land.
2: Yeah, Michael, let me ask you. Uh... You know, you're you're having a. It sounds like a, a tremendous uh, outreach in terms of the Christian community there, and uh, uh, presenting the Jewish roots of the faith. And uh, are you finding that spilling over into the Jewish community with a lot of success or difficulty, or you know, how how is that working for you?
1: By, uh, by the Jewish community, you just you mean the Jewish unbelieving community yes. in Israel? Yes. Yes. Yeah. I think' there's a, you know, there's a shift that's happening in regards to how Jewish people look at Christians. I think it's overall, it's for the positive. Um, you know the average Jewish person, you know, even my, my, my father- in law, you know he might have said, never said from the church, Don't read the New Testament. It's a book on how to persecute the Jews. You know because of all the history over the last two thousand years the pain that the church has caused the Jewish people. So that's, that's unfortunate, but now we, thank God, we have so many Christians that love Israel and that bless Israel, and I think it does challenge a Jewish person when, um, when they see a Christian that loves the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, loves reading the Tanakh, uh, the Hebrew scriptures, loves um, coming to this land and kind of owning it for themselves, because they're like, well, this is, this is our story, right? Um, so I have se- seen that shift and that change happen. That's encouraging. We're, we do everything we can to just sow the seeds to say, man, if we can even get one person, a Jewish person, to even just consider that he could be the Messiah and to start searching. I really believe that the, Lord, the Lord is faithful when he says, if you search for me, you'll find me. When you search for me with all your heart. Uh, I, that, I can't think of a better picture than a Jewish person when I read that scripture, because that's, that's what we see happen when people come to faith. It's,
2: it sounds to me like... Uh... You know, you're you're having an impact that is doing exactly what uh, the scripture says is uh, provoking them to jealousy. Is
1: that what you're seeing? Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I would hate to make it sound uh, so simple, but we're seeing we're seeing people come to know the Lord. We're seeing more openness now than ever before. I could tell you stories of of the next generation that you know what the what the former generation thought was. Strange and repulsive, and, 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 and betrayal. The younger generation doesn't see it that way, and so we're really trying to influence culture and have the first interaction with a Messianic believer not be what people expect it to be, but to actually say, "Well, we're like, well, we're part of you. We're part of your nation. We're, we serve in the IDF. We we uh, you know we pay taxes. We we're all going through this together." And they see that. They feel like, wow, this, this faith might actually be something for me, not just a foreign thing. Uh,
0: Michael, I, first, just thank you for making time because I, I know this has been a long and exhausting week, and so this week has not been a normal or typical week. Um, I was even, I was going through Costco here and had a friend um, call me and just say, "Hey, how are you?" And I just kind of had to stop and say, "I'm exhausted," and I'm I'm here, um, but. Yeah what, what have you been doing? How are the people, how are you doing? Um, and, and what has that effort been looking like over this last week?
1: Yeah. So we woke up, uh, last Shabbat Saturday morning on October the 7th. We woke up to Sirens and in Jerusalem, we live downtown Jerusalem and, uh, You know, sirens here for rockets are not super typical. Like once every couple of years, and maybe it's one siren. This morning, it was sirens nonstop all through the morning. And so we knew something different was up. And uh, obviously, then you saw the reports on the news about maybe there's terrorists in the country. That seemed impossible. And maybe there's hostages. That seemed impossible. And so we just knew this was different. This was going to be different than something we'd experienced before. And sure enough, it was. Way more. I mean, I remember the first night, Saturday night, we went to bed. They confirmed a hundred Israelis killed, which that seemed like a lot. Um, and then so we wake up Sunday morning, and it's like waking up to a bad dream from a bad dream, and you're just like. The death toll just keeps rising, and the stories, and the pictures, and the videos, and the hostages—it seemed impossible. So it was—it was a—it was, was a it was a moment, I think, for the entire nation. Like uh, nothing short of a nine eleven post nine eleven moment, traumatically. And and, and what I say to Americans is you know thirteen hundred Israelis killed in a country of almost ten million. Well, that's like the equivalent of like forty five to fifty thousand Americans killed in a country of 350 million, you know, like it's, it's just to put that in context, like in, in, in 72 hours, seeing that many people killed, it just, it rattles a nation. Um, Israel quickly calling up the reserves. Now almost 600,000 uh, reservists. I mean, th- th- everyone's affected. Every family knows, everyone knows someone who's on the front line. And so it's really, it's brought together the nation, but we made a conscious choice saying we want to respond. We want to find a way to be the hands and feet of Yeshua during this time. And I, you know, our role not that it's limited, but we we exist. We serve through other local ministries. So we're first thing we did was check in with our partners. But then we started seeing opportunity. Well, there's communities that are, need to be evacuated and and, and display and and, and somewhere else. So we've seen messianic. Jewish families open them in with open arms and host them in different places across the country and love on them and provide meals and cook. And then uh, vital food and water, There's food and water shortages for those that were in lockdown for three days in the South, bringing stuff down to them, loving on them, providing a, a valuable quip, equipment and supplies, generators and first aid kits and um, even just simple, simple things like toys and bikes to a child that just witnessed bodies strewn across the street. And now they've been, now they're out of their home. They're living in a one room, uh, like a, like the equivalent of like a hotel room, maybe not as nice, but with their whole family, three kids and the two parents in one little room and, and just giving that, that child, that, that son or that daughter, a, a little bit of a, a chance to play and be a child in the midst of what just happened. Um, so it's very emotional, the trauma, uh, the sensitivity, we just started, um, in partnership with another ministry, we started a, um, like a, like a feeding pro- program, a hot food. So we, we cook, uh, lunch and dinner every day. For uh, right now, we're at like a thousand people a day, and that's going to ramp up over the course of the week to 5,000 hopefully, 10,000 meals a day. Hot restaurant quality meals that then we we ship out to different places in the country. So today, we shipped it out to the Dead Sea, where a bunch of the um, displaced people are staying down in Dead Sea hotels. We shipped it out to Ashdod, Ashkelon, where they've been in bomb shelters for the last week. Uh, we shipped it out to some to Shoresh, just outside of Jerusalem. So we have these meals going out its just a way to love on and care for people in their time and their moment of need. So it's been, it's been amazing. We've seen a lot of um, things happen, you know, supporting um, Israel soldiers, which are really like our sons and our daughters and with mattresses and uh, food and provisions and flashlights. And they got called up overnight. And now they find out they're going to be there for weeks, not days, and so they just need underwear and clothes and tents and all sorts of different things. So the countries really come together to see this happen. But I'm, what I'm most encouraged about is when we see the body coming together to really serve. And it was, a, it was a shift for the whole body. Everyone in the country right now, I get calls all day, every day, but people wanting to volunteer and serve. And so we're, we're launching a new volunteer, hopefully, platform that will allow us to coordinate this better in the future.
2: Uh, that that's great that the believing community is doing this and pulling together for everybody like that. And I'm just wondering um, as you're doing all this and you're reaching out to all these people and they're, and they're getting, you know, tremendous care in these ways that you can do, you know, how are they responding to you?
1: Well, that, that's the beautiful thing is that um, how, how amazing that we're able to be the ones to care and lead the way in care. And, you know, these people have been traumatized. They're in the darkest season of their lives. And so just even being able to pray um, for them, to be able to lift them up, uh, be able to minister to them. I mean, I was with someone uh, just the other day, and just hearing the story of what they had been through, I mean, they grew up in gaza and then they left in 2005 just optimistic that, that was going to bring peace and they set up a community right on the border and the very place in the fence where she used to bring food and money to her palestinians friends well that's the exact place where they bust down the wall and they came and they killed our children you know so you hear these stories and they're just so um traumatic i think there is an openness Hope, Um, but but the first thing is really an openness for relationship, and so that that that, that's the biggest thing is when people can feel like wow, I was taken care of by Messianic Jews. I was I was uh, loved on by Messianic Jews. I, I saw a congregation come and serve and serve over time. I mean these these families of the hostages. I mean their lives have been turned upside down. Now it's been over a week not hearing anything. I mean that's traumatizing. So everywhere we're looking, we're trying to find people that are hurting people that have needs and how can we come in and just be a huge blessing to them, but to do it boldly publicly in Jesus' name.
0: So there's a, a obviously like when crisis and trauma hits, there's an immediate, we need to do something. Um, We were just meeting with a a friend we have in common, Ephraim Goldstein, who served in Israel for years and years, but he said, um, while we kind of figure out what's needed right now, the real need is going to take place much further down the road, right? Everybody, I
1: I absolutely absolutely agree. So, yeah. So yeah, everyone wants to give now, uh, but the real need is going to hit in a few months. So we're planning for that. We have a bunch of things we're doing to respond to the urgent need, but we are, uh, definitely thinking ahead. How are we helping to rebuild homes and rebuild lives um, three to six months from now. And that's much harder. It's not easy to kind of project that, forecast that, think about that way, but that's been really encouraging us now because you know the the time people are generous is right after a crisis, not six months later when the rebuilding happens. And so that's important for all of us that have like emergency crisis funds that we're, we're thinking that way. We're thinking strategically and intentionally about how to maximize the resources God's entrusted us.
0: Michael, I love... I love your ministry. I love how you guys do ministry. Um, and you guys very uniquely, um, I believe as God ordained, gave you guys a message to be able to pray for those who are missing, for those who are hostages. Mm. Um, explain um, what this ministry is for those of us uh, in our in our group are listening.
1: Yeah, as we came out of um, as we came out of the events of last week and we we're just talking and pre- holding some prayer gathering. One of our team members said, you know, I really just feel like we need to pray by name for people. And, we, and then we were on another prayer call and Vanessa, my wife, said, yeah, I want to send out the names of Messianic soldiers and we can pray for them by name. And as soon as she said that, I had this picture in my head of um, a name written on the palm of someone's hand and in black marker. And, um, and, and the scripture Isaiah 49 came to me where... It's very interesting because it's a similar situation to what we're talking about right now. Zion says, I'm forsaken. I'm forgotten by God. But God says, can a nursing mother forget her child? Can she have not compassion on the son of her womb? He says, surely even these may forget, but I will not forget you. Behold, I've engraved you on the palm of my hand. Your walls are ever before me. And we just had that picture of, of God engraving Uh, the names of the children of Israel on the palms of his hands. I just thought, what a a symbolic act that we can remind Israel, you're not forgotten, you're not forsaken. Even when you feel forsaken, you feel forgotten. It's a reminder, God has engraved you on the palms of his hands. And so we decided to launch this campaign called uh, Pray for Israel by Name. Um, And you can find out more at firmisrael.org slash name. Uh, I think maybe by the time this podcast comes out, we'll have PrayForIsraelByName.com as well. Um, but we just, in 48 hours, we put this together, we recorded a video, um, we took some photos with, and we, I, I found all the names that we know of the hostages that are currently uh, kept in Gaza. And we just thought, man, I, right now it's probably so easy for them to feel forsaken, forgotten, not just by God, by their government, by their people. They, they don't know all the information. They don't know that 600,000 troops have been mobilized. They're just, wherever they are right now, they're going through one of the darkest seasons of their lives. And we thought, wow, how, how precious would it be for us to be able to pray for them by name? And so we rolled this out on Friday, and the response has been amazing. We've already seen thousands and thousands and thousands of people post photos with their hands, praying for the names. I actually don't have mine on today because it fades off throughout the day. But I, I was praying um, for yesterday for a, a little boy named Kfir, Kfir. Uh, he's about one month older than my son. He's nine months old, uh, boy, and he's just on my heart. Every time I look at our son, Hananiah, I, I was just thinking of him. So I was praying for fear by name, praying that God would return him, praying that he would be safe and protected, even though he's an infant, uh, literally, and, and as he's a hostage uh, of Hamas. And so that's something we've uh, rolled out. And I'd love to you know, challenge you if you're listening to this or watching this podcast, that you would uh, join this challenge, that you would you know go to PrayForIsraelByName.com and you would take a look at the video and you would see um, the photos. And it's very simple. You just look at the list of names. You pick one a day to pray for, put it on your hand. And it's a reminder. It's a reminder. You, you, you would be surprised how often you look down at your hands and you realize, oh, this is a reminder to pray for this person by name. So... That's, the, that's what we're doing. And then even today is a special day because a lot of churches are now show, sharing this with their churches. So we're just expecting many, many more. You know, we're believing God for hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people to uh, be praying for these hostages by name. And we know God answers prayer. That's a great idea.
0: Yeah, we love it. Um, we find ourselves this morning, uh, we came to hear our friend Ephraim Goldstein speaking at a church in Wilmore. Uh, the building that we have behind us is a huge auditorium where revival broke out on Asbury University's campus. Um, and so the spirit of God was heavy in this place. Um, we will be meeting with a group of people here uh, tonight to be praying and we will have sharpies and we will be praying for
1: amazing amazing i love it i love hearing that That's so really from,
0: from this place which is not quite a local call uh, to god from the, the western wall of, of jerusalem which is a little bit more of a local call uh, we are praying for you we're thankful for your ministry and uh, we'll tell mm. everybody um, michael we just pray that you'd be strengthened the people would be strengthened and that ministry would continue to go forward thank you um, for, for coming here and thank you know, so much man people up to
1: date amen thank you so much it means a lot just to hear those words and uh, we appreciate the prayers more than you know yeah
0: and we've we've ended every podcast that we've done uh, to this point we've said these words and they've never met more now then now is uh, shalom yerushalayim and so we are praying for the peace mm. of jerusalem um for israel and not not just the the physical safety and physical peace but that they would find peace in sar shalom jesus the prince of peace and so Bless and thank you Amen. for this time. Shalom. Thanks now. so much.